Hello everyone and welcome to Blunder Phonics, where we put music's most troubled productions to tape. My name is Spencer, and over there is Jack. Jack, say hello. Hi guys, we're gonna be listening to Green Day. It's a Spencer episode. <laughs> Don't sound so happy about it, my friend. <laughs> I, I will have to give it to you. You have turned me a little bit towards pop punk. I don't hate it anymore. I've gotten over my weird new metal middle school phase, and I can appreciate some poppy melodies with some nice punk riffs. Uh, I'm sorry for being a Debbie Downer. I'm glad you're mentioning that you're casting aside your origins because this is me returning to my origins. Because today's subject is Green Day. It's a band so old and faux punk that when they wanted to promote their 2020 album, Father of All Motherfuckers, they couldn't pick a better platform than the Howard Stern Show. Of course. I just, there's no self-awareness to that uh, whatsoever. <laughs> you only go to the Howard Stern Show if you're a true rock and roll star, where you have no Swedish music producers, you just play with real instruments, no click track, no auto-tune, <laughs> just pure <laughs> shitty punk music that nobody wants to listen to in 2020. Everybody loves Frank Ocean. Fuck that guy. You want to listen to this 50-year-old punk guy with spiked up black hair talking on the I Howard really, Stern show. And I really want to hear Billy explain to Howard why he wrote a song about what it's like to have so much money, as if that's a new concept to Billy Joe Armstrong, who's been <laughs> filthy fucking rich for decades now. Okay, uh, of course, we cannot help but poke a stick at the power chord divas of the late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, we, we really can't help it. As a music podcast, we can't help but be mean to Oasis and pick on Green Day. But understand, <laughs> for me, this is from a place of self-awareness. Green Day is my first musical love, ignoring a brief stint that I had with Avril Lavigne. But who can blame me? I was six and Skater Boy was so me. But uh, I mean, let, let, let's let's admit it. Avril Lavigne had a couple of bops. In the years leading up to the puberty that would hit me like a speeding truck, this Anaheim gang of boys, they were my anthem. It was a short romance, but a passionate one. I hopped on the bandwagon right at the release of American Idiot and even endured the uh, mediocre rock opera that followed, 21st Century Breakdown. Oh, God. And I know you have your hot takes there. Oh, well, I don't know if they're considered hot takes, but I, I remember trying to get into them around 21st. American Idiot, I kind of ignored. I wasn't very political or anything like that. And then when 21st came out, I listened to that as a middle schooler and I was like, this isn't heavy at all. I'm going back to corn. That's where their real music is. See, I can feel that because that's when I started started broadening my horizons too. And eventually the day would come when I would set down Green Day for the last time and get into real entertainment like the Howard Stern show. <laughs> Let's even out the negative press though. Music snobs the world over have said all of this, all of this critique before. What are some things we both appreciate about Green Day? I appreciate that they can write fun songs about masturbating. Yeah. I, that's not even a joke. I was also listening to Blink-182 the other day. They have an album with like I a cow just, ass on it. <laughs> I was just about to bring Blink into this because I'm sure they have they have their fair share of lewd irreverent songs. It's just punk music as it should be. You know, kids singing about the things they like, which is masturbation and holding hands. You know, they go from one song where it's like, oh, she's so hot. And the next one's like, I love her and I want to look into her face. Yeah, I was listening to that Blink-182 Cow album, and I'm like, you know, I can see the appeal. I can see the the fun, carefree mood, and I can understand how this music plagued my entire existence in the 2000s now. It's fun. I appreciate it for what it is. I wouldn't say it's, like, peak punk. It's not exactly what I think the genre, you know, has to be striving for at all times. <laughs> I also think that it makes it a lot harder to take them seriously when they start singing about George Bush and the Iraq War, when I can think that their best album 
is literally named after shit. I have a hard time taking them seriously as well. American Idiot was a weird rock opera. (laughs) And they kept sticking with that concept, and I wish they didn't. Yeah, the punk rock opera is so weird to me as a concept because I want, like, in my head, punk rock came out of hating Pink Floyd for even trying to do rock opera. Like, they thought it was so pretentious and overblown. And yet here's a punk band doing that. So I think there's a little bit of some dissonance with there in my brain. That being said, I I can see the appeal still. I I could see how a bunch of middle schoolers that I grew up with loved it way more than Korn's weird, angsty child abuse metal. I'm not saying one is better than the other. It is, you gotta take it for what it is. It's simple. It's as almost simple as ABC, Uno, Dos, Tres. And, and American Idiot was not there for, like, their first soiree with, uh, uh, let's get weird with it. Like, let's try something glossier, let's try something weirder. The album that came before American Idiot, which American Idiot, smash success. I mean, it sold millions upon millions. The album that came before it, Warning, it was a weird adventure into folk punk and all sorts of experiments. Yeah, Warning is a weird one because I don't hear a lot of people talk about it. In my brain, it goes Nimrod because it has that song time of your life on it everyone loves the office we get it everyone loves it yeah and and then i think american idiot but warning is just kind of in the middle there without like a strong hit just kind of being its own thing and its sales figures show that exact same sentiment it sold half of what nimrod did and oh my god don't even put it next to american idiot because the numbers just eclipse it warning is just like the ugly stepchild that nobody wants to talk about and it's still better than everything they made after american idiot It very much was. And the thing is, American Idiot wasn't the album that came after Warning. They did something in between there. And I'm not just talking about the compilation albums, uh, shenanigans. They had another studio album in the works, and it was called Cigarettes and Valentines. It was meant to launch in 2003, so it would have put it in that nice window they had going of three years between each album. But, (gasps) dun-dun-dun, it was the victim of... Industry espionage. Oh, what? Sabotage. Someone stole it. Somebody stole a Green Day record? Somebody stole the master tapes to a Green Day record. So the story goes that it was going to be a follow-up to Warning, and then the master recordings were stolen very close to the conclusion of production. So instead of re-recording the album, they just said, fuck it. This isn't Maximum Green Day. It's an actual quote. They said, this is, this wasn't Maximum Green Day. We're not at full charge Green Day. Forget Dookie. We need a full rectal Green Day here. <laughs> and they called it a blessing in disguise that the album disappeared in the first place. Now, how did it disappear? Who took it? We don't know. Uh, the few details that came out following this were that they got backups Mike Durnt, the bassist, said that they got backups and that they weren't the same. They weren't even close to what was actually stolen. So so when they got the master tapes back, were, were these recordings of some other band or were these other tapes they had that were also stolen without them realizing. So what they what happened was the master <laughs> tapes were gone forever, but they they found some backups. They recovered those and the backups were just so far back in development they were so far back in the writing and the production process that they were like, "This, it's not even worth salvaging. We, d- we don't have anything close to that lightning in the bottle that we had. Oh, gotcha. Which I think is uh, uh, just funny to think about since I've actually heard some of the tracks they're talking about. But <gasps> Oh my God, wait, we can hear it? There are a few tracks that have surfaced forward. 
a lot of people like to say that, oh, the album was uh, discreetly re-released. They, they, every, you know, couple albums, they would throw a few Cigarettes and Valentine's songs in there and oh. then discreetly get them past us. The thing is, is most of it's not true. Huh? Oh. If, if, there's, if there's any songs we've heard that can be well and truly considered confirmed, there's maybe about four or five. Cigarettes and Valentines, which was played live on the uh, wonderfully named album uh, Awesome as Fuck. Oh, it's a my. live album. Oh my it's, god! It's great. Is this a bootleg you made back in middle school? <laughs> yes, that was. That's actually the. Uh, if you currently plug my phone in, that's what I've named it. I name all my devices. <laughs> awesome as fuck. Too much, too soon. It was a B side on American Idiot. You can find that one along with, I believe, Favorite Son was another B side from that album. Uh, that it was confirmed to be from Cigarettes and Valentines. Waste Away, Sleepyhead, and Dropout. Uh, all of these five songs were confirmed to be old cigarettes and Valentine songs that eh, found their way back into production later on. I do find it kind of disappointing that they didn't actually pull a Beach Boys and like trickle these out one by one in each studio release because that's what it sounded like at first, but it's just not true. If they threw those to the wayside, then it would explain a conspiracy theory that the fans kind of have. Ooh. Which is that this album was considered not good enough. And it wasn't stolen. They just straight up said, we can't release this. Oh my God. I believe that because when American Idiot was made in a non-conventional way, they recorded each song one after the other. They didn't do it scattershot and uh, rearrange them to the to the right mix in post-production. They said, American Idiot's the first track and Jesus of Suburbia comes second and Holiday's third. And they recorded them one after the other. So when oh. you get to the very last song being recorded, there's this monumental feel to it of, I mean, we did the album. This is it. This is how it's going to sound front to back. But you can see in the end of that documentary, when they're done recording it, they actually thought the band was done. They thought that album was going to flop. And I, it makes me think that Cigarettes and Valentines had the same attitude to it, but they couldn't bear to cancel another album. So they just said, you know what? We did a take two. We tried American Idiot. We went weird with this rock opera, you know, uh, concept album. And if it flops, it flops. We're done. Now, of course, they got the opposite reaction, but <laughs> they've gone and, and rebuked these theories. They've said that, no, 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 the, the tapes were stolen and we got a mix back. We didn't like it. And that's what you got. Or there have been conspiracy theories that the album was reworked into one of the band's many side projects. Uh, this one being Money Money 2020, an album released by a side project, The Network. Billy Joe Armstrong has said, no, Money Money 2020 was not Cigarettes and Valentines. It was a completely different album. Cigarettes and Valentines, like many other things we've written, is just in our Disney vault. And if you if you want it, you're going to have to pay me five bucks a month. <laughs> or it's like in Prince's vault. And he's like, I, I don't know how I ended up with these tapes. These aren't mine. <laughs> I'll just keep them with next to the Black Album. We have so many masters in the vault that it's well and truly a Scrooge McDuck vault. And sometimes I do high dive <laughs> into it and swim around in them. <laughs> It's so weird to me that, like, it sounds like the fans wanted this to be a big epic loss album along the lines of Smile or the Black Album by Prince. Yeah. And, like, the band just kept saying, this isn't even close to it. What are you guys... It's like it, a snipe hunt. It, it, like, they're like, there it is. There's Cigarettes and Valentine's. Go get them. It, and Billy Joe's just like, no. That's how they, That's very much what it is. That's a Madonna record. <laughs> Did you guys know Johnny Cash's Hurt was going to be on Cigarettes and Valentine's originally? <laughs> we really love Braveheart, but I really think the soundtrack to it was kind of a ripoff of Cigarettes and Valentine's. 
It, That's, that was released years before. Oh my God, fuck it. I think you're right. There is a, It's a fan base that, I'll just say it, is a lot of uh, super fan teens. And I think they very much want to capture that, that lost media thrill that the Black Album had or Smile had. Uh, but they're really just chasing a bone that doesn't exist. I know. It, it feels like they have nothing to go off of either. It'd be one thing if you, like heard a song or two back when it was first lost. I'm assuming it took a little bit of time before they actually released some of the material. Mm-hmm. But like with something like Kanye West's Yandi, like fans actually had bits and pieces and then it just was supposed to be forgotten about. So when it gets leaked, people get all excited because they're like, oh, that is something that we've heard before. Cigarettes and Valentine's is like a like a ghost. It, yeah. And it's like people think they see it. And I think, and, and so many people have asked the band, hey, are you going to remaster it? Are you going to go back to this old album and try it again, make it maximum Green Day, and then spit it back out for us? And the bassist has said, no, we prefer, to, we prefer to go forward rather than reach back. And I think that gives a little credence to people's theories of like, they don't want to do it because they already have. And it's an X, Y, and Z album. <laughs> Uno Dos Trace They have was... all the strings up against the walls. <laughs> They're like, the bass is behind it all. There are secret clues in the liner notes of Uno Dos Trace. We have to buy all three of them. All the different color variations of vinyl. We will find the map to cigarettes and valentines. And that's why they have to wear so much makeup. Not because they're 50-year-olds pretending they're 20, but because they gotta hide all the bags under the their eyes because they're guilty for this lie they've pulled under my eyes <laughs> i cannot wait for them when they're at like 77 years old to finally just <laughs> say you know what we never even recorded cigarettes and valentines we made it up from day one I, and then all the fans go you liar you know what i and then they pull the plug i i can't wait for that what i also can't wait for are you familiar with the futurama episode where they go to the slurm factory I am familiar with the Slurm and do you, factor. Do you know the part where Slurm's McKenzie takes off his glasses and he's he's just bloodshot underneath? He says, I'm so tired of partying. So very tired. <laughs> really can't wait. Was for, that you with Green Day? Oh, I can't wait for Billy to wipe that eyeliner off and reveal such bags, such age. And for him to be like, I, I am the man. <laughs> What has become of me? <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. And, and I know uh, this is kind of a, this is a offbeat blunder phonics because there's not much of a narrative to it. You know, we tell a lot of stories behind albums, which is why, Jack, to make this a tried and true blunder phonics, I want to throw on the back end um, a little story for you, a little Green Day story. And I've been hiding <gasps> this Ooh, one from you. Story time. I've been, I've been like, yeah, you can look up cigarettes and Valentine's, look up these tracks or whatever. But there's been a half of this episode that I told you, I'm going to tell you in the moment. And which is why I want you to... Yeah, it's, it scares it scares the ever-living shit out of and me. Because I'm supposed to know everything about music. And it should. Oh, oh my so God. So you need to go to... Uh, just go open up Discord, because I'm going to message you two MP3s. Oh, oh my God. I feel like I'm in Sinister. Like, you're going to show me the Bagul or something? Or, like, the Babadook? I am giving you forbidden media. Y- you sent me two MP3s. So Jack and I are about to listen to two songs off of an album I deliberately hid from him. Magnum Opus of the Inglorious Kind. We're going to be listening to Rome Falls and Burn It All Down, so we're going to take a quick break to listen to these, and we'll be right back to share these first impressions. Okay, so we just listened to two surprise songs that Spencer threw at me, and I was afraid of what I was going to hear. 
I don't know if you have a lead into this or if I should just explain what I thought I heard. Well, Jack, please tell me what you think. You sent me two songs, uh, Rome Falls and Burn It Down. Yep. Burn It All Down. All of it. Uh, I, I don't even know who did it. I'm assuming that it is Green Day centric. I don't think this is a Green Day thing. My my headcanon right now, this is what I'm guessing the story is, is this is some pop punk band that purposely sounded like Green Day and everyone jumped at them and assumed that this was a secret cigarettes and Valentine's because this sounds very modern. It sounded very big it, and much more it lush. It does sound very modern. Much more lush. It does lush. sound very, very modern. This definitely sounds like it came out in the last like five years. At, at least. I, I want to say it's even at more least. modern. It, it, sound, it sounds big. It sounds way bigger than like a 2003 Green Day album. So I'm assuming. Very true. I'm assuming somebody thinks that Billy Joe came up to these guys, whoever they are, and gave them cigarettes and said, hey, you just do it. I would love to keep the suspense going, but Jack, you have got it in fucking one. Minus the cigarettes oh, and Valentine's yes. part. I knew Damn. that would be the red herring I could throw your way. So Fuck this you. album. Damn it. <laughs> this album was leaked to Reddit in late 2019. Popped up on the Green Day subreddit. And it started, I believe, with album art. It looked like a bunch of vinyl records stacked on top of each other. It was this like Greek looking thing, uh, magnum opus of the inglorious kind. And it had that little explicit, that Tipper Gore explicit ooh, ooh. warning on the bottom left. And everyone was like, yo, Green Day album? What's this? And then came the track list. And then came these two songs, which were leaks, apparently. Now, it did not take long for the ruse to fall apart. <laughs> this is a this is a hoax made by the band Panicland. They are a Winnipeg pop band formed in around like 2011, or at least that's when they joined Twitter. And what we just heard, they leaked to Reddit with mixed feedback. The leak starts with those vinyl copies. It goes to the singles. It all started with the idea of the title. And I'm, I'm sure they joked, oh, that, sound, that sounds like a Green Day album. So they made a fan fiction album to go with it. They were like, well, as a thought exercise, why don't we jam out? Because they're, yes, they're a pop band. And they sound nothing like this normally. So this was quite a thought exercise, in my opinion. Um, they are, they've been on record saying, yeah, we're, we're very inspired by Green Day. We loved their stuff ever since we were, you know, like 10 years old. Okay. They're teenagers right now, just so you know. It makes me feel bad. Very talented teenagers, I'll say. Makes me feel old. They were jamming on this fan fiction album concept, and then it started sounding really good. In 2018, they actually had a chance to meet the band. I think that's what spurred them to, like, really commit to this. When did they leak the songs again? Late, mid to late 2019, like around September at the earliest, I think. So they had a chance to meet the band before they decided to do this weird Green Day uh -huh. pseudo thing. Okay. And I don't, I don't have any confirmation, but I think that's what's kicked them into gear to, to really go for it, see how far they could take this riff. It started sounding really good. Rome Falls gave them the idea to go with the Greek aesthetic, so they photoshopped a cover, and they thought, what if we printed out a few of these onto cardboard? We'll pay the full price to print it onto one sleeve, but then we'll print half of a sleeve and kind of like tilt them and make it look like they're fanned out. They didn't even buy five complete... <laughs> hoax albums Good, they had to perfect. stage the photo awesome great uh, it's very punk and they photoshop you know the the mike trey and and billy's faces onto the three angels and the scheme did wonders for their popularity when they released it it got some mixed results a lot of people loved it 
and said, yo, oh, when's this leaked album coming out? This is this is great. And other people were like, no, this is weird and it's a hoax. And other people were like, no, this is real, but it's also weird. <laughs> and so, like they were like, I totally believe they're going to make this and I don't want them to. <laughs> oh, my God. And then they got Father of All Motherfuckers. Oh, no. I would have preferred this to Father of All because I listened to that album like a month ago. Horrible. Can't stand it. <laughs> I still super, haven't listened to it. Super weird. Still haven't oh, listened to so it. Oh, it's so weird and bad. And it's very fitting that they went on a Weezer tour. If Weezer and Fall Out Boy, it's just three bands what that a, are spiraling into chaos. The most disappointing 90s collaboration <laughs> I've ever heard. It's sweeps week for bands that are very old and capturing their youth and also bad. And also so, bad. Yeah, this the two bad. songs we listened to, the Burn It All Down one was just kind of, that was way yeah. closer to like a green day in my head. The first one had too good of lyrics. Yeah. I, I, I really like those lyrics. Yeah. It reminded me more of like a Black Parade ish sort of thing it was so it, it it sounded like a band that was inspired and i kind of i'm kind of like you know it's you, wistful you wish green day actually did it right it's bit it's a lot it was a lot better than anything they released after american idiot it, i think it sounded too inspired if anything what i find interesting is how well that dude nailed the vocals i, I could tell it wasn't quite him but i could also tell that it was close enough to where I haven't really listened to Green Day matured. I could see maybe some people getting bamboozled by it. So I, it is a very exaggerated impression. I'll say I gotta admit that it's like, the it first sounds time. Like the whole thing is him mimicking the vocal flair he sometimes does. It's very weird to get a pastiche in music where you don't just call it a ripoff. Because I, I think this has a little bit too much inspiration behind it to just be written off as like a rip off of Green Day because it doesn't sound quite like them. It sounds just enough to confuse Especially them. because it was deliberately made as an homage. It was made with the intention of fooling people, which I think gives it way more weight than, you know, songs that have ripped off other songs that right. have agreed. It's different than like when rock bands in the 90s all tried to sound like Pearl Jam and sing like this. Yeah. It's a lot different than that. This this sounds like... It's a tribute. It's 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 an interesting gimmick. And I actually kind of liked Rome Falls quite a bit. In order to pull off the impression, he had to... He said he would have the mic hot. He was ready to go. And he would start playing another Green Day song, like Time of Your Life or something. And then as soon as he was in the swing of that song... Drop the guitar, pick up the mic, sing the fake lyrics. <laughs> oh, man. I thought that was really funny. They have benefited heavily from this. They've gotten, they got a lot of great press for a band that was already, you know, a few years old. And a lot of people, uh, the most common take I see under these two songs on YouTube, which have now been officially released with Panic Land at the front. They're not trying to hide it anymore. Gotcha. These two songs, they've made a bunch of merch lines for this stuff. Um, they made a little mini doc that explained how they did the leak and what the idea was behind it. And I, the, the exponent, the video explanation they released feels more like them trying to not confuse old men green day <laughs> because <laughs> Mike Dern's like, I don't know. Stop asking me. I don't know what that is. It's, I, I think it was a fun little gimmick. All the more praise to Panic Land for doing something weird and punky, usurping Green Day's own image when they are ruining it to try to get some sort of fans. I would personally kill for someone to do this to Fall Out Boy. I would love that. <laughs> it kind of reminds me, this might be a strange thing, but kind of when you think back to Green Day and how we used to get music back in the 2000s. It reminds me of LimeWire and Napster. Mm -hmm. Back in the day when you didn't look up what actual band albums were, 
and you would just download the MP3s. I listened to Korn a lot. There were a ton of quote unquote Korn songs that were just other new metal bands that people just downloaded and didn't realize it wasn't Korn. That's what this mm-hmm. reminds me of. My one of my good friends from my childhood, one of his favorite bands of all time was Nirvana. But his favorite song by Nirvana was Creep by Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> and I was like, that doesn't even sound like Kurt. You can tell that's not him. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it's Creep. And he looked up, he's like, oh my God, this is Radiohead. I'm like, no, that's a different song. <laughs> that's what this I reminds got, me I of. I get fooled into thinking, my dumb, young, very untrained ears thought that Closing Time was by Green Day because of a LimeWire mix-up. <laughs> it, it reminds me of that. It, it could very easily have tricked kids who didn't know better than to look things up back in the early 2000s, which screams even more Green Dayism to me for some reason. I don't know. That That's neat. I'm glad you surprised me. I was very scared you were going to include me in some horrific plot <laughs> for mass destruction. No, this Instead, is... Instead, you, you sent me two interesting, big, bombastic rock songs that did Green Day better than Green Day. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the big, bombastic note, because I do want to draw the, the talking point of... Is it a coincidence that there were some big bombastic Queen-esque rock operas hitting the uh, hitting the scene in the mid two thousands? Got Black Parade, American Idiot. I can't name a third one. <laughs> um, well, I mean, twenty first century breakdown. Uh, yeah, I guess twenty first century. I, I but think I mean, once those pop punk bands got all that money, they went down the same road that the Who and Pink Floyd did, where it's like, we have money, let's do something big and artistic. Let's stop singing about masturbation and have operas sing about teenagers. <laughs> Never I think did I think <laughs> the go back to your roots critique would be, can you just sing more about jerking off, Green Day? Can you do that more? Uh, at least the Who were like, you know, my generation. It's not like I, I close my eyes and bite my lip. Things like that, but yeah, still love Dookie. Oh, Dookie's a great album. Nimrod, too. Nimrod's great. I could count five of my favorite Green Day songs on one hand. Five songs of Green Day that I could truly say I think are amazing. Four of them are from Dookie. <laughs> It's the four big singles and the other one's Brain Stew. Because of course it is. Because of course Brain Stew is great. Don't even pretend. Yeah, Welcome to Paradise, uh, Long View, Basket Basket Case. She. When I come around, I like better than she. She's good. She is good. Oh, oh, she's my favorite off that album. You know what was, I don't know if I've mentioned the story on Blunderphonics. I went and saw Rise Against uh, probably for like the second or third time at Warp Tour 2012 which rest in peace warp tour i know that's over now goodbye warp or it was 2013 i guess not a huge difference but there i was out in the i was at the band that came before rise against i was i was same stage i was getting through their set so i could be front row for rises and was it deftones it no i don't remember who the fuck they were oh, um, okay. they were a very generic pop punk outfit they were pop punk i need to know it, who this was it was now. it was green day it was green day warp wasn't tour, it you don't even remember who they were so Jack and I spent uh, about 10 minutes looking for this. So newfound glory. I mean, four years strong. So four years strong was. <laughs> this is how little it actually means. So four years strong was opening for Rise. And my brother and I are fighting through that weak ass crowd to try and get to the, the front few rows. And in the process of waiting with sunscreen in my eye, I've been there for 10 hours. I'm miserable at this rate. and I'm ready to go home. Um, do it for this, the music. This guy, this front man who's been playing some mediocre pop punk goes, all right, this one goes out to the band. That's the reason we are all here today. And all of these bands are on this stage and proceeds to sing the opening lyrics of basket case. 
And I did I did a double take. So I was like, do we really owe it to Green Day? Do we really owe it to Basket Case for this one? You've been listening to Blunder Phonics. I've been Spencer. That's been Jack. Um, you can find links to all of my shows and our various projects in the description. But Jack, is there anything you want to plug especially today? Yes. If you would like to come recommend us some albums, come visit me on Rate Your Music. I am under the tag The Dissonant Opinion. We have several wonderful people there who give me album ideas. Apart from some of the crazy shit I make Spencer listen to, recommendations for things like Trout Mask Replica and The White Album and Oasis, which we just did. Uh, If you have any ideas of any fun, crazy stories, go ahead and see me on there. You could also take a look at my music taste, which is pretty much indie rock, and that's about it. Spencer, you told me on the last episode to look up some things that I've given negative scores to because I usually give 8 out of 10s to everything. Mm-hmm. Well, I have them for you. Oh, please. I've given 7 albums 3 out of 10. Let's go ahead and cut that to the end because I need to say 2 more at least because you promised I promised well, you of course, 3. Yeah. Uh, one yeah. of which is Drake's latest album Scorpion. If you were bored to death by him doing one album of very boring R&B don't worry, Scorpion is a double album of horribly boring R&B where he tried to say, I had a secret son, so now buy my album. I'm going to date Millie Bobby Brown. What are you going to uh, do about it? Oh, no, it's going to happen. I'm going to date all the 13-year-olds. What are you going to do about I'm it? I'm going to vomit is what I'm going to do. But yeah, that that's the album that Spotify tried to shove down my throat. I didn't like that. My most recent one has a bit of a fun story to it. It's Eminem's music to be murdered by. We were talking about Eminem previously just over text, Spencer and I, and I was like, we should really talk about Eminem's more recent album, Revival. And then I said, oh, excuse me, that's not his most recent. He released one terrible one after that. And you're like, oh, music to be murdered by. I'm like, no, it's called Kamikaze. What are you, stupid? And I looked it up and I cried. (laughs) I didn't even realize it came out. And you ruined my life. So I listened to it and it was terrible. It's music you wish you could be murdered by. (laughs) I would give it four stars if it did me the service of killing me. At least that's merciful. (laughs) Uh, And then, of course, my third one is an, an epically bad album. One of the most famous bad albums of all time, Metallica's Saint Anger. God, that was no joke. The album you pitched this show to me with. <laughs> you were like, let's, we gotta do Saint Anger. We're gonna watch the documentary, do a little riff tracks on it. Oh man, you know what? Somebody recommended a Mayhem record to me, but I think our next episode should definitely be Saint Anger. Yeah, we should, co- we should. We should do Saint Anger. We owe it that justice. Let's do Saint Anger. Saint Anger, that's coming up next. And Jack, uh, this has been an absolute delight. We're gonna catch, uh, gonna get all them next time. I can't wait to never listen to Green Day again. Do you have the time to open up your mind? Mm. Wonderwall. I-, I wanted to say I wanted to say an opening line to Time of Your Life. I seriously can't remember it. I just remember Jim Halpert's face, and he's like, "I love Pam." <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna cut this recording in half, <laughs> and I'm gonna throw the other half away. You know what they say about our Blunderphonics recordings? It- it's something unpredictable, but in the end, it's right. How did you know I was still recording? Fuck you. <laughs> Thank you.